that your expenses might outpace your income or revenue for a couple of years. So you want to be smart. So first, figure out how do I reduce my debt, right? Whether that's selling a car if you need to, uh, working extra hours to make extra money to pay things down. You know, preferably, I would really consider paying off student loans first, um, you know, or getting a real big chunk of it done and making sure that you have enough money to um, um, live comfortably, yeah. you know, for, for 12 to 18 months. Not that you can't. back with another episode um for those of y'all who have been listening to the podcast for a little bit you um uh we are uh, i had kendra on as a guest before uh, i forget what episode it was maybe it was like it was like in the early hundreds um but she's the finance fem on instagram uh the episode is called the finance fem too and uh, and she is a basically in a simple term the financial planner for businesses and so um, I get a lot of clients who, um, I work with you know, quite a few dentist physicians and I refer them to, to Kendra for the financial planning for the business. And so I was like, Hey, Kendra, why don't we do a, a show for the questions that we get asked from, from dentists and medical professionals on, uh, setting up a practice and I think it'd be helpful. So thanks for coming on again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about it. We, uh, we had a really good conversation before, and so I'm excited to have one that's like specific to a, a niche or a specific demographic. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so we ahead of time, we just wrote down the top five questions that we get from the uh, customers and or dentists and physicians that we work with. But feel free, you know, share this, tag any dentists and physicians that you know. We'll be taking questions once we work through uh, these um, that we can answer as well. Um, and if, and, um, and if you have any questions that you think your friends who aren't watching might have asked and, and or just questions about uh, business in general, once we go through the specific questions for the dentist, if we have other questions, we'll answer them. So we'll, um, be straight into it. Yeah. Sounds good. Let me set the, get my uh, recording right. All right. First question that we got, and this is, you know, where do I start? So I know I want to start my own dental practice or physician's practice, medical practice, um, where do I start? Yeah, and that's, that's a good question. And that's a good question just in general when you're trying to start any business, but specifically with this business, so I guess to kind of level set and think about the, the person who would ask the second question. So I'm assuming it would be someone who is either working for another dentist practice or they are maybe in dental school and they're kind of getting themselves prepared to create their own dental practice, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess then the first thing to think about really is I'm always like a big believer of start with the end in mind. So think about what it is that you're trying to build. So are you trying to build your own practice? Are you trying to buy another practice? Um, so first starting there and thinking about what it is that you're looking for um, or that you're wanting to do and then just build a plan. And I personally, this might sound crazy coming from a virtual CFO, but I personally am not a big believer of like those full 500 page business plans, right? I feel like it takes you three years to complete them. By the time you complete it, having, you know, creating the business, 
has gone fascinating and fitting anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm a bigger believer in um, creating like almost like that back of the napkin plan, right? Mm -hmm. Just just write something out, figure out how much money do you need to start by thinking through who are you going to get in your team, what capital are you going to need for the the, um, the unit itself, the physical location itself, supplies, things of that nature. But run those numbers. Um, of course, think about how you're going to get that money back. Right, but really you want to just start with a quick plan, mm-hmm. run it by a few people that maybe are other industry professionals, um, and get their input on it, and then start. Like I think that's the big thing is the action has to then come after it. So we don't want to spend like three years in the planning mode. We actually want to take some action. And then I think in business what always happens is that pivot, right? Where you have this whole plan laid out and then you have to realize like, okay, I got twenty percent into my plan and something happened. Now you have to pivot and be flexible enough to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Um, hence why a 500-page business plan that takes you three years to create isn't as valuable as you might think because you're not likely going to be able to get through all of that as it's planned. Something's going to shake it up. So I guess my short answer to that question is create a, a high-level plan, but then start and move and take action. Uh, that was a good one. And uh, I like the fact that you talked about not having the – the long plan, putting somebody in a box, right? Where, where, where I would, you know, where I would come in, you know, talking to my client is uh, my expertise, getting your personal house in order, yeah. uh, you know, first, um, specifically to dentists and physicians, because you know a lot of them come out with a lot of student loan debt, um, and some of them might end up coming out also, and I call it pent up consumerism, right? They they basically have not made money. For years and years and they get out they get this great salary and then they also sometimes they go buy the eight thousand dollar car right yeah. so if that is the case right no judgment but let's deal with that first let's let's first understand when you're going to business you're going to not make money yeah. uh, for a couple of years and you're going to borrow this big amount of money you know from the bank and when i say not make money you're going to make money but your expenses might outpace your income yeah. or revenue for a couple of years so you want to be smart so first figure out how do I reduce my debt, right? Whether that's selling a car if you need to, uh, working extra hours to make extra money to pay things down. You know, preferably, I would really consider paying off student loans first, um, you know, or getting a real big chunk of it done and making sure that you have enough money to um, um, live comfortably, yeah. you know, for, for 12 to 18 months. Not that you can't draw money from them, you know, the less money you got to borrow from the bank, the better. So if you have your savings, you can borrow less for your salary um, for the business and have enough money to reinvest for marketing and to actually grow it so you can become uh, profitable faster, right? So I would get the debt managed, save some money, uh, consider living humbly, right? You know, meaning if you're married, talk to your spouse about saying, hey, we might not be able to buy the home in the next yeah. few years, right? We got to live in a nice small apartment. Stop going to um, support. Stop, stop going to support and back, right? <laughs> Uh, Sorry, y'all. Hey, and and, and, it, and I don't know because they're right outside, right? <laughs> We're in shops of legacy, but but no, um, and specifically for dentists and physicians because a lot of people in like I'm a financial advisor and I'm in a very pretentious profession like physicians and dentists and your friends might be doing all this, but you got to realize you know they they may still be working for somebody, right? Uh, and or they, um, if they own their own business and they actually can afford it, they put through the painful years of being able to make the money. Or if they own their own business in early and they're still doing that, then just know they got a big old credit card bill yeah. that, that's not being paid off. Just know that that's, that's what's going on. 
but get your personal financial house in order. And I'll add one more thing, because uh, this is something I'll ask my clients when they say they want to start their own business. I'm like, do you want to start your own business or do you want to be financially independent, financially independent and or are you just doing this because you can get the next logical step? Because right. what happens is they'll see the, the, the business owner making, building out two and three times what they make. Yeah. And be like, hey, I can keep that money. I'm like, yeah, but it's a difference between being a good practitioner yeah. and a business person. Yeah. And if you don't like business, it can end real bad. Yes. You know, it can end real bad. So just think through, do you actually like business? You know, because the reason why they're able to not, you know, pay what they pay you and take whatever on top because they're dealing with a whole lot of headaches yes. that you may not want to deal with. Yeah, you, you said so many good things in there that I'm trying to like remember in my mind that we can come back to. But for sure, that with the um, with understanding, like just because you're really good at what it is that you're doing and that you love what you're doing, you know, adding the layer of running a business on top of that is a whole different ballgame. So um, I forgot the name of the book, but it talks about the difference between being the person who's actually doing the service and then being the person who owns the business mm -hmm. of the people who do the service. And so if you want to continue just doing the service and you love the service, consider you know consider that and the fact that when you run a business it's less about you doing the service and more about you running the business at that point you need to then elevate to have other people do the service so that you can run the business you can't have your entire day filled with doing the service because who's going to then run payroll who's going to make sure supplies are good who's going to make sure taxes are good you're then a business owner you're not a practitioner or a service provider so mm -hmm. um so that's definitely one thing that you really really want to consider when you're thinking about um, starting your own business Good, good, good. How much should I borrow? It's a good question. That is a good question. And it's kind of tough because it really depends on what your next step is. So, you know, whether you're uh, buying a practice, whether you're starting off from scratch, whether you're wanting to, whether you have a large amount of money already set aside, um, whether you're truly prepared to live humbly, that's another point that you made that I think is so important that regardless of how much money you have set aside or what your financial situation is, when you're starting a business, you must live humbly. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank because you can run through that money thinking and assuming that your business is going to be able to support you in that year or two, and that might not be the case. So um, so how much you should borrow, I think that starts and that stems from that first exercise of like doing that back of the napkin math or hopping in the Excel spreadsheet, running some numbers, um, seeing how much debt you have, seeing how much personal money you have set to the side. Um, but creating that plan, and that's going to help you come up with an actual number um, on how much to, to borrow. Um, but also, to your point, Philip, thinking about the plan to pay that back. So, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, I can get 200000 so I'm going to take 200000 mm -hmm. But then it's like, now you owe 200000 So yeah. that's the other part of the point. No, that's good. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I have to add is just, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of, you know, borrow what you think you need to borrow um, and then see if you can also get a line of credit, right? Because from a financial standpoint, once you, once they put that money that you borrow in your account, the interest begins to accumulate, right? Versus if you said, hey, you know, I know I need 200, but I want to have access to 500 just in case, right? I would much rather you get a $300,000 line of credit mm -hmm. because when you do that, you only pay the interest when you draw on it, right? Uh, even if it may be at a potentially higher interest rate, you know, I just really like that option. A, because, you know, the money in the bank, you know, you're going to, in my opinion, be forced to spend it uh, more wisely. 
because um, it's limited. But then the line of credit is your backup, and you only need to use it if you know if you need to use it, right? And I'm not I'm not saying two hundred or three hundred thousand is what you need to do. I'm just saying um, be smart about it. Borrow what you know you need to borrow, but have the cushion of extra line of credit for the amount that you are that you might normally borrow just in case, right? Yeah. Use that as a line of credit. Uh, and if you're a physician or a dentist, like people who are giving you the money. Not all of them, but sometimes they bank on the fact that you don't necessarily know what they're doing once you get it. So um, they make their most money when you default, right? And things like that. So um, so go to someone who is in your financial corner who can help explain to you the differences and the benefits and all of that. Um, because again, going back to your first, your first point, when you become a business owner, you now have to learn other aspects of business outside of just, again, being a service a provider or a practitioner. So lean in or lean on professionals who understand that specific arena. Like marketing, if you want questions about marketing and advertising, go to a marketing and advertising professional. Personally, don't ask me. Maybe Philip Bill has a lot of great marketing going on, but like you go to a marketing expert. Same thing with money. Um, so when we're answering these questions about how much you should borrow and things like that, and if we were the answer that we're giving you is kind of making you feel more anxious or nervous go to a professional and get like specific um, answers to your questions and your numbers. You know, here's, and here's one thing I thought of as you were saying it, that, that's relative to this question, that's really a plug for you and, and your profession. I mean, when you borrow, if you, most, you're probably not gonna be good at finances, right? I would even include the cost of hiring an outsourced CFO um, if you're a dentist or a physician, because there's so many moving pieces and expenses, I just, you know, I couldn't imagine borrowing half a million in the bank and not having somebody count my pennies and make sure that I'm using the money, you know, wisely along with, you know, running the business, being the practitioner and then handling the money. Like, I think it'd be well worth the investment to have a outsourced CFO. Cause when you start nine, you can't bring it in house anyway. You know, so I would, I would definitely include that as a, and I'm not just plugging, like I'm for real, like I think, I think you should. Yeah. No, and sometimes it might even help when you're trying to get funding, especially if you're trying to get funding from more on the investor side, um, like angel investors, things like that, then they'll see that you, okay, I'm giving you this money, but you also have someone who is there with you as a financial resource to help make sure that this money is going to get put to good use. Um, so they, unlike credit card companies and things like that, they don't want you to default, right? They're like, listen, <laughs> I want you to make my money, make money. So if they see that you have a financial partner, it can sometimes work to your benefit um, in just getting the funding from the beginning. Question number three, should I buy a practice or start from scratch? Want me to go first? Sure. So, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm not, we talked about not doing the traditional, it depends, right? right. It depends. You know, here's what I do. I personally, if I were a dentist, I'm not over, I don't know if I would buy a practice if the dentist doesn't own the property, you know, because, because the prop, if they own the property, then that's a way to reduce my risk because at the end of the day, I own the real estate, you know, because the clientele, they may come on board, they may not like me, uh, you know, they, they could mess up, mess up the numbers and lie to me about the clientele, right? Um, but, it, you know, I definitely look at the clientele because nothing really is if the clientele is older, um, you know, not, you know, not being ages, but if it's older, there's less of a life expectancy on the money you're going to make, right, versus a younger clientele. Um, 
but but I definitely if I'm a, if I'm on the buyer practice, they need to own the real estate, right? And the clientele needs to have a longer life expectancy, and then I'm gonna you know require the business to stay on uh, you know for a year or two um, if I do buy the practice. So if I can't get that, then I'm more of a fan of building from from scratch because the money that I would have used to uh, pay for the practice, you know, I'm going to pay it anyway. I might as well use it to buy my own equipment um, and do my own marketing to build it up in an area where there's not a lot of dentists. Um, I also, the thing I, I like about starting from scratch personally is I can, I can pick my area um, and I will pick an area that is probably far away from a lot of people, right? And I guess be, be, because like, and, and, and let, me, let me preface it with dentists and physicians you know, we'll know, but my clients who own practices or practice industry that make the most money mm-hmm. are like out in like nowhere land, Texas, mm-hmm. you know, because, of, because there's no, there's no competition, yeah. you know, versus being in uptown Boulevard with the dentist everywhere. Yeah, like, and you can make money, but it's just, it's, it's tougher if you're out, out of nowhere land, Texas. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's actually, that's funny because, so I'm not originally from Texas, this is I know. I'm not originally from Texas, but one thing that I have noticed um, in my you know four years or so of living here, is that there there's a dentist building or a dentist location everywhere. It's like it's like a it's like the Starbucks of any other area that I've ever lived in. They are everywhere, and literally in one shopping plaza, you can have two dentist locations. Mm-hmm. I, I don't quite understand it, but um, but yes. So 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 my answer to that is very similar in that um, you know, if you do end up buying a practice, you have to think about the fact that you're also buying the the um, the ways of the practice, so the team, the way that they do things, the way that they handle things, their processes, like you're buying all of that from them as well. And so, if you're not in alignment with that, then it might cost you more time and energy and money to um, shift all of that around versus just starting one from scratch your own way. Um, you know, the mindset of the people that are working there, like you're buying all of that. So you got to think about is that something that you really want to do. Um, versus just kind of starting it from scratch and, and creating it your own way. So I think um, personally, I would more so go the lane of you know starting your own practice. But if there is one out there that, that you like and that I guess is in alignment with what you need, then run the numbers on it. But I do love your point of keeping that person on board to help with the transition for a while because retention is everything, right, in that industry. And so if you have a book of however many um, clients that are coming to you regular or coming to that practice regularly and then that drops by 30 40 percent because they don't like the new owner they don't want the new the new team the new ways well you're essentially kind of building the backup anyway so um mm-hmm. so you got to think about that retention piece as well no definitely and one, one more i think i said something wrong when i was talking about buying in nowhere land texas i meant uh, if you're going to buy a practice it's better to buy and not start from scratch in nowhere land texas because nowhere land texas probably has one or two dentists and, and, and that, that makes it a, a, a better buy. So I said that wrong, cleared that up. Question number four, um, how do I know when to expand? That's a good question, that's probably you, right? Yeah, how do I know when to expand? So is this like if you have one location and you think about multiple locations? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, your money will know, let you know when it's <laughs> Um, you know, uh, or your resources. So to me, the two main resources, time and money, right? So if your books are completely full, um, your time books are completely full and 
you still have people that are like calling trying to get in appointments and things like that then yeah maybe consider a second location if your money is also working right or if you have um if you have a highly profitable business and you see the, that you would be able to then create another location um and it not like um, cannibalize it so to a different location right so not one obviously right next door but that's going to cannibalize your initial practice but um if you can you know get one in another location then absolutely i would say go for it but typically how you know in my opinion is if your time is showing you that you have the ability to expand and if your money is showing you that you have the ability to expand but if those two things aren't in excess then continue growing what you have mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I'm in agreement. I give like one real life example of just something to watch out for, right? So I um, uh, I knew, I called on this dentist, uh, met him, had a very successful practice. He was, you know, early 30s, you know, pulling down, you know, profits, 300,000 a year, yeah. right? Um, you know, he started incorporating a lot of it into his lifestyle, but he gave me some to invest, right, for the, for the future. And then he said, hey, Philip, I'm gonna open up another practice. Mm -hmm. And um, and he did not do the due diligence that he should have done on the second practice. He just figured, I built this, I'm successful. I got the Midas touch, I'm gonna do the same thing over here. So he went in, um, bought the practice. Long story short, he bought somebody else's practice. They lodged him a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of stuff. And that practice started eating up all the profits from the other practice he had. And he ended up losing both practices when it was all said and done. Yeah. And, and, and it happened like that. Like it, yeah. and literally, he told me he was going to buy it. Uh, three months later, we talked. Told him about it eating up all the money. And then, like we didn't. Like he just quit talking to me. And twelve months later, like, or maybe it was it was for sure two years later. Like yeah. it was done. Like mm -hmm. it was finished. And so, um, just watch out for that, right? You yeah. know, I mean, if if he you know, 300,000 a year lifestyle was pretty good for, yeah. you know, um, lifestyle. You could have just kept that and or been smart about the due diligence, due diligence the second time around. And I think that goes back to with maybe even how keeping that same mindset of, you know, if you're super successful in one, um, one business or in one location, it doesn't necessarily translate when you create a separate location. And so thinking about that, you know, how we talked about living humbly when you first start a business, well, maybe it's time to reset that mindset when you open a second location, at least before you get it off the ground, you know, until it's moving, until it's able to kind of sustain itself as a location. Um, you, you might need to bring the lifestyle down a little bit or just prepare yourself for that shift by, you know, not just assuming that the steady uh, net income that's coming to you from business A or location A it's going to continue when now you're pulling a little bit of your time and energy from that one to come into this one. So that might suffer a little bit. So you just have to think about that in advance. And we can't assume that um, when we expand locations, that we're just going to be a duplication of the first one. It's its own baby, it's its own location. It's going to have its own customers and clients. So, um, so you're going to have to nurture that until it can pr produce profits enough to sustain itself. So. So yeah, when you're thinking about expanding, I mean, there's a lot to consider. There's a lot to consider with that. But congrats on the success of the first location. Sit in that for a little bit, right? Sit in the success of your first location before instantly thinking about trying to, to duplicate it unless you have a plan for it. Yeah, and, and, and I'll add one more thing, right? Because as, as you were talking, you kind of brought up some more stuff. It's kind of like, I'm always thinking, like as people think investments are like, 
risk takers. But really, I'm more of a risk manager. Like I like to put money out and I want to do as much as I can to make sure it comes back. Like I'm, you know, I will be comfortable with a lower return if I know I could protect my downside and not expose myself to a total loss, right? And so in that scenario, you know, and this is what I told them. I said, hey man, why don't you take this money, pay off all of your debt, you know, for, for you know, student loan for this business, you know, build up some more cash. And then, you know, now you require less to live. You got some cash, start the business that if you lost that, you know, it doesn't take you fully down. It may take you longer and you could and you can't become, you know, monarch dental or mint dentistry, you know, as fast, but do you really want that, right? Because it didn't end well for monarch. They went, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm just saying monarch. I think it was one of those big chains like yeah. you know, went under. Um, and you know, I don't, don't hope the same for the for the other chains, but growing too fast is a real deal. Yes. You know, and yes. I'm always like, you know, it, it you know. And, and if you watch the ones that grow fast, um, I'm, I'm pretty confident that it's the, 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 there's a bigger team, right? Mm -hmm. You know, all those companies that grow fast, they have expert um, uh, executives helping out the dentists on the team yeah. to help them scale and, and grow fast and do that, right? So if it is what you want to do and you don't have a team um, and you've never done it before, maybe maybe think about being, you know, taking less risk. Um, and, and then when you're ready to do it, if you don't want to have the team, you know, you have a, uh, you know, you have the money to do it and you can lose and not lose everything. It's all about the strategy, right? Like you have to, you have to plan enough in advance, that whole like, um, failing to plan is planning to fail situation, mm -hmm. right? Like you just got to think in advance and of course you're not going to know everything and you're not going to know all of the steps. But just thinking about what do you need to be successful in the next step of what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to expand, you know, what do I need to be successful in making that expansion happen? I'm going to need somebody that can help me run the numbers, think about the longevity of it, what metrics to, to look at on a weekly or monthly basis to make sure that the business is staying afloat, this location and that location. Um, and I, I really love what you said about um, in the beginning about how people think that you're like, really risky you know people that play in the stock market I think like that oh you're still super risky but I think that what it is is you're, you're right like it's not that that you're risky or that people in finance you know who shouldn't do this that's risky it's that we educate ourselves on what we're doing um so that it might seem risky to other people but it's actually like educated decisions that are being made right everything is a strategic educated decision that's being made and so it feels risky to someone who hasn't done the work or the research or mm -hmm. has the knowledge but in, in actuality, it's like, no, this is a strategic play to do X, Y, and Z, to make this expansion, to um, invest in this portfolio or whatever it is. So I think that's a big thing about it as well. If you don't feel comfortable in that decision-making, again, bringing somebody in to help you with that decision-making, um, but you want to think about it in advance. Absolutely. Right, last question we got was, how should I... Like, how, how much should I have saved before I start? Yeah. <laughs> How much should I have saved before I start? Another one of those answers that is somewhat of a, it depends, but it really does tie to that, I keep saying like that fact of the napkin math or whatever. Um, I think that you want to think, of course, I think about the business side. I know you know about the business and the personal side. A lot of times I tend to forget about the personal side, which is obviously very important. But I think that when you're going into business and you're thinking about how much you want to have saved, um, you definitely want to think about how much your business needs, but also on the personal side, 
you want to already, you don't want to struggle, right? Going into business is already hard enough, right? So you don't want to put yourself into a situation where you're now struggling to pay certain bills and things like that, because that's going to suck the creativity out of you to be able to build the business, but you need the creativity to build the business. So I guess there is no like one number, like you have to have X amount in savings and that's going to be relevant for everyone, but it is thinking about the business and your personal expenses um, and what's to come and then just, you know, again, putting that plan in place. So it's not a hard one to answer because there is no exact number. You just have to run the scenario. Yeah. And, I, and you said everything. I'll just add one more piece as an extra value added. If you're married, talk to your spouse. So for example, when I started Stonehill Wealth Management, you know, uh, my, my poor wife, you know, we basically I was starting from scratch from a, you know, from an income standpoint. And she said, uh, she said, you know, so I went to her, I said, hey, you know, like, what do we, you know, what do you need monthly? So that there's, you know, it's going to be friction regardless, but what do you yeah. need monthly to where you won't leave me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so she said, hey, you know, Long as you know, long as we don't lose the house, and, you know, mm -hmm. and we talked about more, but right. I'm good. So, okay, this is how much I gotta have saved up. This is how much I need a line of credit, yeah. right? Went out, and, and and so I knew that hey, I can keep my life as long as yeah. I hit these minimum uh, expense targets, and that's real. Like you know, yeah. I, you know, I wanted to go into business. I didn't want to, you know, break up my family. But those are the kinds of things that you want to think through and plan out uh, if your marriage and family are important to you. Um, you know, some people think. Oh, well, if she's gonna leave, you know, if they're gonna leave me, you know, because you know, then forget them. Like, no, like, you know, you didn't have the business when you got married. Right. Like, you know, you're that, that's what you want to do, and they want, you know, they and they want you to be successful, but you need to be hurt just like you want them to uh, believe in you. Be courteous to them. Like, figure out what, and it doesn't. It's not. It just takes thought yeah. and planning to figure it out, um, and then execute. Yeah. So just extra extra two cents on that. No, that's a great. That's a great. And I think even um, if you're not married, and you know, just just in general with family, period. Like, what expectations are a family, of friends, the friends who want to go to Tahiti this month, and then Fiji next month, and then Brazil the following month? It's like, listen, I, maybe I can't go every time. And if, if the, you know, you just have to have that line of communication with them to know that life, life is going to be a little bit different when you're first starting your business off. And um, so you just have to have that. When, 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 did, when did the traveling I'm, I'm going on a side note yeah because I like literally I have somebody who will tell me Philip I want to invest some money I want to do a financial plan but let's do it let's do it in, let's do it in September and then I call them in September and see that they like went on a trip to Jamaica and, I, yeah. and I'm like we just talked you don't have any money in the like, <laughs> like right. it, yeah that's like a thing like it's people, a thing. people are spending People won't set up two hundred dollars a month. Yeah. If they were like, go spend two Gs in Fiji, like, when is that? It's a, it's a thing. And I it's wouldn't be upset if they wouldn't complain to me about being broke. That's the thing, yes. Because I was going to say, I think it's, it's and this is such a little bit of a pivot, but <laughs> it, I think it's the, the age of like, you know, we want to travel, we want to um, have experiences, and so it's like, let's get away from materialistic things of, of owning like the biggest car, the fanciest house, or whatever. And let's travel more and see more and do more. Absolutely love the concept and I'm all for it. But to your point, when you then are like, I don't have any money in the bank and how am I going to retire? How am I going to get out of this corporate, you know, career or whatever? You got to think like, well, which one, which one is we going to do? And you can do both 
in moderation at the right time, but you have to, again, you have to plan for it. So it's always begin with the end in mind. What do you want out of life now? What do you think you're going to want out of life later? And create a plan that works with that versus just going off of what you see everyone else do and then sit back and wonder passively, how did my life come to this? How did my bank account come to this? Like, I have a flight to Fiji, but I, I don't have any money to, to eat while I'm in Fiji. It's because there wasn't a plan in place before. And, and me and my wife have become, as I'm building Stonehill Wealth Management, huge fans of like staycations. Like, we'll, you know, we've stayed a couple of times like in Dallas, like we're just, because when you live in the city, like you really don't experience it mm -hmm. like tourists. So we'll like stay in Dallas, right? And and if we really are tight, we'll like not stay over the night. We'll just like stay there in the daytime and then come back, <laughs> and then come back, <laughs> come back home. Yeah. But, but it's one of those where you, know, you want the experience. Yeah. But like you said, when you know the math, when you have a plan, you say, if I spend this dollar here, it's going to impact my balance sheet here. And I can decide to do that, right? Or I can just way right now you know you know based on your ambition but uh, knowing the numbers hope will be thoughtful and i'm just saying be thoughtful i know that's a tangent but i think some minister no. position just anybody needs to be here yeah and, and thinking about what makes you happy too right so if if not having a certain amount of money in the bank or whatever it is brings you anxiety and doesn't bring you happiness and, and traveling does okay well, let's put a plan in place to see how you can do both but you don't want to do one and sacrifice the other, right? You don't want to expand your dental practice and have four locations because you feel like it, it, it feels good to say I have four locations, but then you're struggling to actually maintain those locations. You know, you don't want to be traveling all the time, but then you're struggling to pay bills at home. So it's thinking about it's the balance of what makes you happy and then what you have. And I think that's the, the great thing about like Philip, what you do is that you help people think about long term, like, okay, well, I know I want to retired by x age or i know i want to have x amount in the account when i'm when i'm ready to retire or what i what i have now to put aside the plan and and it just it it helps you put together that plan to actively do something um for yourself versus like passively sitting back and just thinking like well when i retire or when that time comes mm -hmm. like i'll be good you yeah. know so and, and i know i feel like we, we kind of in this tangent kind of come up with like quintessential finance people, right? Where it's like, oh, save every penny that you have and don't travel, don't do this, don't buy the house. And that's not it at all. Um, I think it just comes down to having, a, just just being thoughtful, like you said, yeah. just being thoughtful of um, what you're doing with your money. Yeah, just, just consequences. You can't, you know, it's, it's like health. People say, I wanna, you know, if you don't, like, if you don't, like, and health doesn't mean a certain body size, right? Health is just, you say you wanna be healthy, you gotta be thoughtful about how you do. You don't have to give up cookies. You yeah. just can't eat a cookie every day. Right. Right. All day. All day. I do right. sometimes. But I love but, cookies. That's why you right. pick it up. Now I ate one yesterday. Because it's on your mind. But <laughs> <laughs> you have to think about it, right? You have to just think about whatever that thing is and, and you know put action to it. I think that's ultimately what it what it boils down to. I know that there are people out there to help you get whatever it is you're trying to go to, but um, but money is tough. Like that's the thing is money can like drive your emotions up or down. If you have enough in the account, if you don't have enough in the account, that's why it's so important to be thoughtful of it. It can't be a passive exercise, um, your money. It's not just going to just always be perfect. You have to think about it actively um, to make it kind of what you need it to be, so. Cool, cool. I think that was good. Yeah. I think if somebody actually like follows the, the advice, uh, they'll be on a good track. Yeah, no, I think so. <laughs> if they have any further questions, how can I reach uh, reach you? 
So you can reach me at uh, the website is thefinancefilm.com. Film is F E M M E. So thefinancefilm.com or on Instagram um, at thefinancefilm. And yeah, you can check us out on the website, email us at infothefinancefilm, or just pop on down on Instagram. Awesome. Hey, and as always, just so nobody comes back and sues you, uh, and, uh, this is for educational purposes, not meant to be financial advice. You need to seek your own counsel before making decisions. Um, Y'all enjoy your day.